Hi, welcome back to Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. Today, we're going to be talking about special needs homeschooling. Welcome to Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. I'm Erin. And I'm Amanda. This is the podcast to encourage moms that have been at this homeschooling gig longer than five years and plan on sticking with it through the high school years. The long haulers, as we like to say. We want to help you have the greatest of all time homeschool that meets the needs of your family by encouraging you with real conversations on the issues that pop up as you've been in this homeschool lifestyle for years. So it'll be fun to try and see if there's people out there that need the encouragement and if there's anything that we can do to help others as they get started on their journey. That'd be awesome. That's what we're here for. You want to start us off? I wrote down a couple of definitions. What special needs is defined as, quote, particular educational requirements resulting from learning difficulties, physical ability, or emotional and behavioral difficulties. That's one definition. Another one from Collins Dictionary says, people who need special help or care, for example, because they have a disability. That's super clear. Basically, anyone that is not the norm. You know, and we all know that normal is just a setting on the dryer, but you know, you have these mainstream kids (laughs) that are really easy to teach and, you know, they listen and obey to everything you say. And then the rest of us have these kids that have some kind of special need. And that could be something simple to something like cerebral palsy or cancer. We all know that kid that has dyslexia or uh, Mm -hmm. dysgraphia. Even gifted kids, giftedness is considered a special need in the school district. And so when you're in public school, what do you do when you have a special needs student? You have to go down the 504 path or the IEP path, and you have all of these hoops and red tape to get through. But with homeschooling, homeschooling is what I like to call the ultimate IEP, Whereas we can do whatever we need to do. The biggest downfall for teaching a special needs child is when you need to outsource certain things that you need help with. Like I have a kid that needed occupational therapy for four and a half years. Well, that's something that the school district certainly wasn't going to pay for. So (laughs) we had to go through the insurance channels and we got grants that helped cover some of those things. And there's stuff like that. And so you have to dip into your own resources and do your own research and, you know, kind of help facilitate some of those things. Whereas if they're in public school, you send them to school and the school takes care of the rest of it, supposedly. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Erin? What do you think of special needs students? (laughs) Well, in my experience, so we fostered and adopted and technically by definition, according to our state law, any child in foster care is considered special needs. So when we've brought our two home, that's something we have to take into consideration, the trauma, the things that they've experienced. And so that makes our learning with them look differently than say my biological children. We stick to a little bit more of a different routine with like my oldest versus my middle kids that weren't adopted. So it looks different in all these different situations. And then my two middle boys, they have um, very special interests and they get very focused on those interests. So I have to do school completely different for them. So it's just, 
it looks different for each kid in each situation. And like you said, there's so many different varying levels of accommodation that you have to make for each of these kids that have special needs. Right. Well, and I feel like every child has a special need, you know, even if they're mainstream children, they still have some kind of a special need and it's a spectrum, not a line, I guess. Yes. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, special needs kids are wonderful. And there's a lot of parents that, that struggle with how do I homeschool this special needs student? They've been in the public school system and they, then it's very daunting and you have these IEPs to consider. Well, the school doesn't want you to homeschool because they get money for your IEP. They don't get money for your 504. So they don't care if your 504 student goes home to homeschool. But you have to consider, you know, if this is a child that you do want to have at home, that you want to homeschool, even if they've been in the public school system and have had IEP supports, some school districts will let you continue to take your child to the school district for those supports, um, whatever, for those therapies. And some of them don't, it just kind of depends. And of course it depends on the parent too, if they want their school district to have their hand in the education of their kids, you know, so there's a lot of decision-making that has to happen. And it's, I don't see it really as a whole lot different than homeschooling anyone. I mean, we're all Mm going to have our hand in our children's social, emotional, educational well-being. It doesn't, it doesn't look a whole lot. I mean, it does look different, obviously, but it's going to look different no matter what student you're teaching, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's something we saw early on when we brought ours home, who had been public schooled through all of elementary school and into middle school was that it was comfortable and known that type of public school education. So we have to model a lot of what we do at homeschool after that, because that's, what's familiar and comfortable and helps our kiddo feel like school can be successful, you know, like grades are important. So for her, she wants to know what grade it is, you know, what she's, how she's doing and have that constant reaffirmation. And so that looks differently than my kids who've always been homeschooled and they don't care (laughs) what grade they get. They, you know, we just move on to the next thing after we've mastered something. So in that case, our homeschooling looks a little bit more laid back for some and for others, it looks very rigid and safe and comfortable and what is known for all of their education. I mean, that's something you have to consider each need of each child when you choose to homeschool, whether it's special needs children or, you know, just um, any typical learner, then, you know, you're looking at the whole child and the relationship, like what is going to be best for our relationship Um, That's always got to be the first place you start with whatever curriculum you choose, whatever classes you choose, whatever special outside classes or who's teaching your child. Like that's a huge thing. I know for a lot of kiddos that have special needs is the people that are in their circle or their bubble have to be very trustworthy. You have to do a lot of research before you just put that child into a class. Preach. Whereas some kids they're like, oh, it's Miss So-and-so and and they don't need to know all the details of who that person is or, you know, like they can just get along with basically anybody. Whereas some of these kiddos that we have, there's a million questions or a perceived danger because it's a new person. And yeah, it just makes things like co-ops really complicated. (laughs) Right. Yes. And one of my kids attaches very, very quickly. And, you know, and he's not a foster child, but that's just part of his personality. And so he will even now at 13, he's doing surprise hugs. And so we have to have 
certain adults around <laughs> us that are okay with that and people that like hugs and <laughs> that are trustworthy right. because, yes. you know, we had a therapist at one point it, when he was very, very small, he was younger than a toddler. She, and he, she was treating our older kids. She looked at him and she said, oh, he's high risk, high risk of being preyed on by, mm. you know, not safe adults. That kind of threw me for a loop. Well, why, why would he, why would she just like pinpoint him and, and say that? And it was because of his personality, just being so open and so loving and just so, you know, so I have to be careful with who I let be exposed to him because some of those negative influences can really take a toll on him. He's very much an empath and picks up on other people's emotions. And so sometimes that can be a struggle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All those special needs that, you know, you have to consider all of those things. I've seen kids down syndrome, children being homeschooled and they thrive and do really, really well. I've seen, you know, a friend of mine brought her kids home for just a couple of years. They're back in the public school system now because they found a school that worked for them. You know, I'm all mm -hmm. for doing whatever works for your family, period. The school district that was not working when she was bringing them home, one of her kids does have cerebral palsy. And she had been told that he was only taking life skills like he's only going to learn life skill things just to be able to try and take care of himself and that he would never be able to dress himself. He would never be wow. able to do some of these basic things. And here she was bringing him home and she's taking videos and posts and I'm getting chills watching him put on his own shirt six months after she's mm -hmm. bringing her kids, like nothing short of miraculous. And the things that we can do when we are allotted the time to do them, that's exactly what Hawaii homeschooling is the ultimate IEP is because we can mm -hmm. formulate this education around this child that depending on what their specific needs are. So every homeschool child is a special needs child in one way or another, and we don't ever fit into a box, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, I ahead. think you touched on something that's really important too, with, with this conversation is a lot of times you know, we've got these kids that maybe don't understand healthy boundaries <clears throat> with emotions or physical boundaries with other people, but having kids home that have struggles with emotional or physical space boundaries with people that are acquaintances or things like that. Uh, sometimes homeschooling can be the safest place for them to be able to develop those healthy relationships and see what that looks like modeled by mom and dad before unleashing them into a situation where they're exposed to a lot of strangers throughout the day or a lot of acquaintances that they might perceive to be, Oh, I see this person every day. That means they're safe. Well, that does not mean they're safe. It just means that you see them every day. And so I think for us, it's been really helpful, maybe even preventing some things from happening that might have, have happened in a public school setting or in a large co-op setting, you know, that sometimes that happens. And I think that it goes into a little side topic here of, you know, co-ops are another situation where, you know, we talk about public school, but co-ops can be just as bad sometimes with the clickiness, the um, kids being missed or unsupervised. I think we've all had a bad co-op experience and we've had a whole episode on that. If you want to go back and listen, we just really need to be mindful when we're thinking about homeschooling special need children, like what, what is the goal? What's the purpose safety? A lot of times is that issue. I know several friends who have special needs kiddos that have taken theirs out of a co-op or a public school setting because they were being bullied 
and bullying is a whole other show we could do. Right. Um, that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with like special needs, but just the whole bullying situations we come across with our children in our education <laughs> endeavors. Right. Yeah. So there's so many people that are so scared to homeschool because they do have a special needs child. Well, how would I give them what they need? And the common denominator there is that you're their parent. And when you respond to them appropriately with the affection that you need to give them as a parent with the relationship, like what you were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. then that is supplying them with what they need, you know, and you, Mm -hmm. you'll figure that out and you'll, you'll figure out the supports that you need to put in place and, and the friendships that you need, the circle that you need to build and you'll get there. Yeah. And it, sometimes it takes a long time to get there, but sometimes you get there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's one huge thing that I love about our homeschool circle is that everyone's accepted for their quirks, you know, and they're accepted for who they are. And, you know, they don't have conversations. These kids, you can listen to them talking to each other. They don't have conversations about the test Mr. Brown gave them yesterday and how hard that was and how one person feels excluded or you know, how another person had to be pulled out of the classroom to be, to test by themselves or, you know, you don't have Mm -hmm. those, it's about Minecraft, you know, their conversations are about the things that they're interested in and and they're rich conversations. And sometimes they go into politics. And so listening to a bunch of 12 and 13 year olds talk about politics is kind of interesting. (laughs) There are some parental influences that you end up hearing there for a while, but it's still good though, because they can bounce those ideas off of each other. And what if this happens or what if that happens? And, Mm -hmm. you know, or sometimes you have to tone them down, like, whoa, that's a little bit too far. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yes. And driving, like (laughs) driving your kids to church, you know, and then they end up having this conversation. Well, what if we were to go into war and A, B, and C have like, I don't know, let's have this conversation, you know, like maybe we need to look this up. Maybe there's some research we need to do there. You know, like there's some really rich conversations that happen. And I love that, you know, and regardless Mm -hmm. of the special need, they can still have these conversations. I've heard lots of kids with speech impediments that I cannot understand a lick of what they're saying, but their peers do, and they treat them the same as they Mm -hmm. treat anyone else. No one gets excluded because, I mean, maybe it happens in some places, but I've not seen it. They don't get excluded because they're different. Well, and I think it goes because of the parenting, you know, like we don't parent in a way that's like the other, you know, than us, because we all have kids that have some special needs that we have to address. So we're more sensitive to that, I think. But when you have other parents that maybe don't know, I've, I've done a lot of educating, (laughs) uh, different parents out, like, you know, we go skating and so we're sitting and talking and, you know, I think a hard thing too, was a lot of times, some of these special needs are not obvious, you know, they're not physical needs and it's hard to tell, like, you know, you might see someone and, you know, someone makes a comment about one of my kiddos and I'm like, I have to protect them. And I never want to give too much information or detail out, but to help explain or help someone else understand, like, you know, maybe this child's sitting because there was a behavior that they would never exhibit to you, but I saw it and we're working on that discipline. And maybe that's why they're not participating, but don't tell my kid, Oh, get out there and, you know, jump in. Or why are you sitting over here? You know, like I've had to talk to a lot of moms and, and not in a mean way, but just like, Hey, you know, I'm the parent, you know, you don't, there's a reason for this and I don't need to make you privy to it. I think that 
I mean, there's so many things we could touch on on this topic, just the privacy, the fact that some kids aren't physically needing special accommodations, but mentally or emotionally are needing special accommodations within co-ops. And it's always hard to know. I mean, sometimes it gets hard to know, like, well, I need to be able to share this amount of information just so you have a little bit of a picture so that if a certain behavior crops up later, this is why. So it takes, a, it takes a lot of trust. I think, I think a lot of special needs moms are gun shy or, you know, just very protective. And we want to make sure that we're making great decisions to not cause our children further harm. So it makes homeschooling a little bit more challenging on our end and more emotionally driven, I think, just because they're your babies and they, you want to make sure that they're having a successful time at whatever you're signing them up for. If you can sign them up for anything, because there's been seasons where I've had to say, nope, we are done with this commitment because X, Y, Z, you know, we just can't continue. And that's also very hard too, because a lot of times people in our homeschool community can be judgy, like, well, you know, you signed up and you committed to this thing and, you know, that's true. And I really do want to stand by our commitments and the things that we're trying to show our children about endurance and perseverance and things like that. But you also need to know when enough is enough for your child. And if they're struggling or they're not thriving in the community or the activity that you've put them in with good, high intentions and hopes, then there's no shame in that. Um, I think that there's a lot of shame sometimes surrounding some of these decisions that we have to make for our families on what's working and not working. And especially if it's in the middle of a semester, you know, you can get some flack for that, but for sure you develop uh, quite thick Just have skin. to get to the point where you have no shame. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, you just tell it like it is and, and own it, you know I mean? And there's, I don't know of anyone that has signed up for something and then not fulfill, you know, there there's, we always have one thing that we sign up for and then we aren't able to fulfill it one in one capacity or another, you know, I think, right. and that's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow, but we're human. Right. You know? and, yeah. and that's part of it. And, and I've human. had to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn too. For one of my kiddos, it's better to have shorter commitments because that could be more successful opportunity instead of a whole year thing or a whole semester. Maybe it's a six week program or a one-time class, you know, like you, we just have to think sometimes outside of that box that we put ourselves into of like whole big picture. And like, let's just look at success for today. What does that look like? What does it look like for this week or this month? And really take a really narrow view of what we're going to do instead of this long lens picture of what this year is going to look like, because in the times that I've done that, I have felt really disappointed with my schedule, um, disappointed in a child, disappointed in whatever program we had signed up for, you know, and really that's just kind of misdirected. And I've learned a lot over the past several years, homeschooling that I need to adjust my expectations and be realistic on what we can do and not do. And that's just gotta have to be okay. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And other people will learn to be okay with you making yes. your own decisions. And, and that's a huge part of it too, is we have to have that confidence, you mm-hmm. know, to say this is going to work for our family or this isn't and let the chips fall where they may. And sometimes as women, that's very hard to do. We don't ever want to disappoint anyone. We don't ever want right. to, it's then- hard to like think, well, this person might be mad at me because I'm making this decision. And 
but you know that it's the best thing for your child, that should take precedence. And that's sometimes Mm -hmm. that's difficult to do, you know? Yeah. And I don't want to come across like I've got it figured out. I've done all this perfectly because there were many, many years, years, especially early on where I would cry to my husband, like, I'm just failing. I'm maybe we should look at something else. You know, I'm not doing my best or whatever. And thankfully he was able to talk me down from that. But there were many nights that I cried after schooling or like had to take a break in my room for a little while during the day, just because I was so overwhelmed. And especially when we had first brought our oldest home from public school, like just figuring out like, what is her learning style? What are the needs that she has? How, what does she think school should look like at home and not what I've been doing previously before we started yeah. homeschooling her. I remember so, you, your struggles with that. That was difficult for you at the very beginning when you first brought her home. I remember that. And uh, yeah, that's a, that, that first year, as you're talking, I'm thinking about that, that first year is always the hardest, mm-hmm. you know? And, but if you get there through that first year, and you can look back and look at all the things that you've accomplished and kind of, you know, hindsight's always 2020. So you get through it and then look back on it and see the growth patterns and see, you know, how things have improved and progress is progress, no matter how small is something I always say. Yes. <laughs> and so even if it's, you know, so sometimes we don't see in the moment when those progress points are taking place, but there at the end of the year, we can look back and go, oh yeah, he was doing this at the beginning of the year. And now he's doing that Mm -hmm. and see all those progress. And then that's a motivator to keep going. Know that, you know, every year after that first year will get better and better. And this morning I had to take one kid out. So the younger kid was at home and he had his list of things. And this is a kid I have had to sit at his elbow his whole life to do anything. Mm -hmm. And like, caressing his back. You can do it. It's okay. You like, I, I've had, I attached, I I often call him my barnacle because he is my barnacle. He is attached to me. And this morning I left him with his list of school stuff to do. And he went through his list by himself and got everything (gasps) done. So think about that. properly. Yeah. So you have these kids that are special needs and they're the ones that you have to like, did you put your underwear on in the right direction this morning? You know, like it's not on backwards, <laughs> like that's right. at the beginning. And then now to this point where, Hey, they can actually be more independent and do things on their own. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge thing. So these special yeah. kids can do it. They can get to that point and mm-hmm. we just have to keep the faith, man. Keep plugging away every day. Yeah. One thing at a time. Yeah. Well, another thing I was going to touch on a little bit just with, I know some of our listeners have been in the situation where they fostered or adopted. Uh, That was a big concern for us when we were wanting to start homeschooling because attachment, you know, and everything I've read so much on attachment through all of my training, you know, we're required to take 30 hours of training. And there's all these books you can read for extra credits. Like after you train and you get licensed, you have to take continuing education type classes or things to learn more each year to get relicensed. And so I've read up a lot on attachment and not just for kiddos that have been in foster care or in traumatic situation, but all of our kids have attachment needs. And I've seen so many times, you know, like friends who are, I can't homeschool, you know, I really want to, and I'm really sad when I drop my kid at school you know, and they're crying every day. And I'm just like, you know, if you have a heart or if you have a will, there could be a way, you know, not, I I don't 
ever want to say that homeschooling is for everyone. I know that there are plethora of options out there and we all have to do, and even for each kid, like there's some kids and some parent dynamics that, you know what, sending them to public school is the best way to attach in that relationship because absence makes the heart grow fonder. (laughs) But (laughs) yes, you know, for our case, that was a motivator for us to make that decision for our oldest who was adopted. And it, it has been wonderful because there's a relationship that was missed early in the early years for her with the siblings in our family. And so it's just been neat to see that that dynamic, is it perfect? Absolutely not. Do we still have a lot of struggling days? Absolutely. But there's so much that I would have missed or she would have missed at home. Um, that was a complaint early on was that, you know, when she's at school all day, the rest of us are doing field trips and having these memory making times. And that was something that was not appreciated for her. So she really was missing a part of the family and like our family culture is homeschooling. That's what we've created. That's what we do. And so it was really special to be able to say, all right, it's, you know, time for you to come do this too with us. So sometimes it's very dysfunctional and other times it's really sweet. And either way, I wouldn't give up those times because they're learning opportunities for all of us and how to relate to people And I think it's really special to have that opportunity in homeschooling to be able to have all of your kids, special needs, non-special needs, you know, um, gifted children all together to be able to create this culture. Because when they go out in the world, there's going to be people of all different abilities in their job. Talk about diversity. Talk about diversity, you know, I mean, the big complaint in society today is that we're not diverse, that we don't allow ourselves to have, you know, relationships with people that are different than us. And of course, there's a, people will seek out some, someone that has things in common with them. And that's okay, because we, we like commonality, and that's where friendships bloom. Mm -hmm. But they also are not judgmental towards people that are different. And they seek out what's different, and then what's similar in those differences, you know, where mm-hmm. we have students that have been in the foster, we have friends that, you know, that have foster kids that were, that are like different racial adoptions. Yes. Yeah. And so our kids are having conversations with those kids and, and acknowledging their differences in a healthy way and finding mm-hmm. things that are in common in a healthy way. And you don't have this, you know, singling out bias or, yeah. yeah. And there's not mm-hmm. a, yeah. And it's just, it's so healthy and productive and, you know, imagine a world where everyone gets along <laughs> and, and we can all be around each other and find something that we all have in common. And it's wonderful. Well, and, and you know, I know in school, when I was growing up towards earlier years, a, a lot of the times children with divergent needs or special needs were in separate classrooms, you know? Right. And so the beauty of homeschooling and so many of our friends having children with special needs, whether they're obvious physical needs or mental or emotional special needs is that our children, you know, in our co-ops, like all of these kids are welcome, you know? Mm-hmm. So they've experienced blow ups from a kid totally losing it because some sensory experience set them off. And, you know, our kids are able to look on and we or ask questions later. And we have that discussion on the drive home, or, you know, maybe it's one of our kids that's having that expression <laughs> of anger right. or frustration or whatever else. And we can talk about it. And their kids, the other kids have seen those things. And I remember being in public school, like you see a kid doing something like that. And because you don't know what it's like, or you don't understand why that child is having a seizure in the middle of class or, you know, right. then, then they get made fun of by, right. by bully people. And right. so 
it's been, or we never neat. want to talk about it. You know, the adults right. want to squash it to so where, you know, it's, we just yeah. don't, we don't discuss our differences. Yeah. Don't it's talk healthy, about that. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. healthy to talk about those things and see, like if my Absolutely. kids, if our kids are outside doing fireworks and my kids got sound protection headphones on, nobody looks at them funny. Hey, how do those sound? Are those can I try those on, you know, can I mm-hmm. listen to fire? Sure. And they share the, like, I've seen them do that and it, it would never happen in a million years in a more of a public school setting. You know, we wouldn't have those conversations. So it's so healthy and so wonderful. And I love it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah. another topic we should touch on real quick though, is finding those moms who get it. Because as much as I love some of my friends that don't have special needs children, they don't understand the day-to-day struggle that you have when you're just about to lose it yourself because they're so high needs. You know, a lot of times you don't have date nights with your spouse because you can't trust someone to be with your child for a certain amount of time because your child, you know, your child and they can't handle it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't get that one-on-one time with another mom because you're just fried. And the only thing you want to do at the end of the night is go lay on your bed in the dark and try to fall asleep <laughs> at seven 30, you know, right, like yeah. I, I just, it's so important to not, you're not an Island as homeschool moms. It's easy to feel like you're on an Island, but if you're really struggling, reach out to another, like maybe you have a homeschool connection group or you're on a Facebook page and you can reach out and say, Hey, is there other moms that are dealing with this specific thing? Or maybe are there other adoptive moms out there or whatever it could be that you're struggling with finding that, like you said, that commonality so that you can vent or, you know, have that dark humor about the situation (laughs) that you just need to say your funny thing or sarcastic thing. And that's how you process, you know, whatever it takes to keep mom healthy while managing the household with these kids that are so demanding and seemingly constantly on, like you said, barnacles. (laughs) It's so important. I was always in the younger years, I was always so overly stimulated that I just Mm -hmm. needed to not be touched. You know, like I just needed to, (laughs) and now I'm finally getting to the point, you know, cause I'm not over touched anymore. And I'm, I'm okay with giving hugs to friends or, you know, (laughs) getting affection from my husband. I'm I'm better about it, but there for a few years who I did not want to be touched because I was so over overstimulated. So yeah, we that get is it. So true. Yes. And there's, and I feel like too, so many of us moms are introverts and that's kind uh-huh. of also why we homeschool. And then we've got these kids that are so touchy or so needy or demanding or so high needs that, you know, I, sometimes I'm just like, I need to get up early earlier than them, just so that mm-hmm. I can have like 10 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour of quiet. Because if I wake up hit the ground running and have like some child in my face, that's going to be in my face all day long, or maybe we're at odds and it's a struggling relationship with that child. It's exhausting and Mm -hmm. it's hard to get up. It's hard to wake up and start your day and feel like, Oh, I've got this beautiful dream of homeschooling my children. And it's going to look like Ma Ingalls out on the prairie, you know, and we've got our (laughs) linen dresses on and (laughs) our kids are doing handicrafts all day when maybe our kids don't have those fine motor skills and they won't ever do those handicrafts. And maybe you're jealous of other moms or, you know, there's a lot of feelings involved with the things that we can see on social media that other parents are able to do with their families that we're just not, and maybe never going to be able to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think each of us has our own area of expertise or specialty or the thing that makes our homeschool culture run well with our kids. And, you know, that's kind of the cool, you just gotta be 
laid back at the end of the day, (laughs) after the years of struggle, you finally get to that point. Like you said earlier, just got to let it go and just no shame. There is no shame. There's no jealousy. It's just, it is what it is. And you've just got to accept that, I guess. And it really helps when you have friends that accept that with you. Right. We can accept your limitations with you. Yes. Right. For sure. And I, you know, I'll tell you the truth. I, I did, I do, I still get up early every day. I still get up early. I expect at least an hour where I can sit and drink coffee and play games on my phone <laughs> before, before, <laughs> before I'm touched before. <laughs> yeah. Cause as soon as a certain someone wakes up, they're going to be glued right next to me and wanting to turn mm-hmm. on anime on the TV. So, you know, and then I have to, you know, then there's that overstimulation. So I'm being touched. I've got, it's, you know, these bright lights and the sounds and the da, 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 da. And then it's time to go feed goats. And I, gets a moment of solace, but yes, <laughs> I still, I still need an hour every morning. Yes. Yes. For yeah. sure. Which is so important. Yes. Find your friends, find your people, find someone that gets it and then find time alone that you're not talking to anybody. <laughs> and, and you know, if there's, so much if there's someone listening that, that needs someone and doesn't have someone send us an email, you know, absolutely. We'll be happy to give you support. Maybe we can do some research and give you some suggestions that you haven't thought of. And we've been there. We can commiserate. We can send you some, you know, bad memes or something and maybe <laughs> make it a little bit better and we'll figure it out. Yeah. So, yes. Well, I, I feel encouraged just talking about this because it's just, you know, it's a lot. And I think it doesn't get talked about, you know, a lot of times you're so focused on like, what curriculum are we using the day-to-day stuff that when you get underneath the data day to deal with, like what child am I homeschooling? You know, like that's the most important thing. And when you do look at that, and when you do have challenging children, whether that's whatever reason they're challenging, it's just nice to be able to talk with friends and hear that you're not alone. Other moms are dealing with similar or worse or better or whatever, you know, there's just always someone out there who can understand and relate. And And comparison is the thief of joy, It is, yeah. you know, commiseration restores it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think we need that on a shirt. (laughs) Commiseration brings it back. All right. Are we done? Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you were encouraged, let us know. If you have any suggestions, let us know. We're here for you. You can find us on Facebook at Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda and on Instagram as well. Or you can email us at goathomeschoolingpodcast at gmail.com. We're here. Feel free to let us know and we'll see you the next one. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to suggest topics for us to discuss, or if you have any questions, find us at Goat Homeschooling on Facebook, on Instagram at Goat Homeschool, and email us at Goat Homeschooling Podcast at gmail.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.